church. Come on and praise the name of your Savior this morning. We wake up with a praise in our lips. Father, for you are so good. Come on, all over this place. Oh, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I've tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Hey, you called my Out of the darkness into your glorious day. You got a ring to celebrate, You call my name. Come on. And I ran out of that place. Anybody running out this morning, say. Out of the darkness into your glorious day.
somebody shout hallelujah. Wake up this atmosphere with praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, God. As we declare that this morning. Yes, God. Yes, God. We put our life this morning out on our own strength.
sing that one more time. Sing. And I will build my life. anything else but in you alone oh God and I will not be shaken see I will build my life I will build my upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust wherever you say Father God, we thank you for being here right now, Father, right in the midst of us, Father. You are a provider of everything that we can ever need. If there's healing that you need, he's, he's there. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you. Oh, there's nothing I could do to let you down. Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud and I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm but I won't go down. I can hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind call me out. See you across an ocean so I wouldn't drown. You've never been closer than you are right now. Say, Jairo. Come on, say, you are enough. Can we declare that this morning? Say, Jairo. You are enough. I will be content. I will be content. I don't want to forget 
How I feel right now on the mountaintop. I can see so clear what it's all about. So stay by my side when the sun goes down. I don't want to forget how I feel right now.
circumstance. I don't know where you are right now, but just say, I will be content. My soul is satisfied in you, Father God. And I will be content. Oh, when I walk out the door, I will be content. Remove every weight that so easily beset you. I will be content. In every circumstance, every circumstance. Say you are, you are tired. You are enough. Come on, shout to the Lord this morning. Scripture, God has revealed Himself and revealed His character through His names. To the Israelites, who revealed Himself as El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient One. We just sang the song Jireh because God revealed Himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh. The context of the story is God speaks to Abraham and He says to Abraham, "I want you to take your son, your only son." This promised son that you've waited 25 years for. And I want you to take this son, and I want, I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer this son, 
this precious son as a sacrifice unto me. And so as Abraham, in obedience to God, is taking his only son, Isaac, up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son in obedience to God, his son Isaac turns to him and says, Dad, I see the wood. I see everything we need for the sacrifice except the sacrifice. So, so, so here's Isaac. He's like trying to figure this out, right? Because the math isn't adding up. And that's one of the reasons here at Converge Church we say when it comes to the life of faith, understanding can wait. Obedience can't. There will be seasons in your life when God will give you an instruction that makes absolutely no sense. But faith will always tug at your heart to obey even when you don't understand. So Isaac says, Lord, I see everything we need for this sacrifice. I see the altar. I see the wood. I just don't see the sacrifice. And Abraham's reply to his son is the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. What Isaac didn't know and what Abraham didn't know was that as they ascended Mount Moriah, God was preparing a ram that would be caught in the thicket. So as they reached the crest of the mountain, that God's provision would already be in place for what they needed. What am I saying? God revealed his character to his people through his name, Jehovah Jireh, which doesn't only mean provider, but literally in the Hebrew means that he is the God who sees ahead and makes provision. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but maybe God wanted to remind you and maybe he wants to remind us that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who has already seen ahead and made provision. And that's why the lyrics of the song say, uh, 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 I will be content in every circumstance if he dresses the lily and the sparrow, how, more, how much more will he love you? That's from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, if I care for the lily and the sparrow, how much more will I love and care for you? And then he goes on to say, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't be concerned about tomorrow, because sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What he was saying is, there's enough stuff for you to work through today. Tomorrow will take care of itself because he is still the God who provides our daily bread. And that's why he taught the Israelites in the wilderness during the Exodus, take only what you need for today. Anything you gather up for tomorrow will rot. I want you to learn to trust me daily. That if I provided your daily bread today, I have already seen ahead and made provision for you tomorrow. So take no thought for tomorrow. Walk this thing out one day at a time. And so when we sing the song, Jireh, you are enough. We're declaring that the character of God is simply this. He is a God who sees ahead and makes provision. Just as he did for Abraham and Isaac. Just as Jesus declared in Matthew 6, he reminds us this morning. So, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name.
We lay every care and every concern before you. We cast all of it upon you because, God, you care for us. We acknowledge this morning that you're not only El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. You're not only Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. You're not only Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner and our protector. You're not only Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You're not just Jehovah Mikadesh, the Lord our sanctifier. You're not just Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. You're not just Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. This morning, God, you choose to reveal yourself to us as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, who sees ahead, nothing taking you by surprise. The God who knows the very end from the beginning. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us today as we worship that you've already gone ahead of us. Lord, we pray that for anyone who is overtaken with worry, with concern, with anxiety, not sure how it's going to happen or where it's going to come from. Lord, would you show yourself to be Jehovah Jireh this morning? Reveal your character and your nature through us, through that name, provider. We thank you today, Lord, for supplying our every need according to your riches. Not our ability, not what we have, but according to your riches in glory. By Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross. We receive that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, Converse Church. That's good news this morning that our God is, in fact, Jehovah Jireh, and he is more than enough. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Good morning, and once again, thank you so much for being a part of our Converge live in-person worship experience. There's so many joining us online, our B-Fam, our virtual family. We'd like to welcome you uh, to Converge Live this morning. We're so glad that you are a part of our worship experience, whether you're in person or you're connecting with us virtually. Well, this is one of those things that Pastor Wendy and I are typically super, super excited about, and it's no different this morning, and that's as we welcome our new members, people who have been kicking the tires, who've been praying about it, uh, with great prayerful consideration, have decided, listen, this is where I'm going to put my roots down. Uh, Pastor Wendy sends her love this morning all the way from beautiful uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. She is in Philadelphia uh, this weekend ministering there to a, a women's ministry, a women's conference. She does send her love. She is not with us in person, uh, but she wanted you to know that she absolutely loves you and she misses you. But without further ado, uh, Pastor Jesse, why don't you come? Because we have a few more families that we're going to add to this local body. You guys will remember that two weeks ago uh, when we celebrated our building dedication, we added eight families. Come on, somebody. Eight new families uh, to our local church. And uh, there were a few who couldn't be there uh, on the 30th, and, uh, and they were available today. So we want to formally uh, and publicly welcome them into membership uh, here at Converge Church. Uh, Pastor Jesse, why don't you tell us, uh, introduce these wonderful families to us. And my own, good. Well, Pastor, I have the distinct pleasure to introduce to you, first of all, Warren and Tiffany Anderson. Come on, Dad. And their daughter, Zoe. 
And they also have a son. He sings on the worship team. He is Zion. Welcome to the family. And we have Miss Angela Willie. And we have Ina Mary. Ina. Pastor, those are all the names that I see that are here. I'm not sure if Olu Akale is here. Olu and his wife and their family are here. Olu Akala. Well, thank you. Beautiful family. And we also have lifted here Quasi Clay. Is Quashi here? Quashi Clay? And Starlet Jacobs. Starlet actually sent a follow up email. She's traveling to Louisiana with her All daughter right. and her mom, so she will not be here today. Well, Pastor, those are our beautiful families for the day. Yeah, man. Come on. Ready, set, here we grow listen this is super exciting and uh we're so honored that you're trusting god uh trusting us with this season of your life this chapter of your life uh, we understand that to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven uh so we're i mean truly honored and humbled that you guys have chosen after prayerful, prayerful consideration to put your roots down here uh, our commitment as a church is that we're going to love you we're going to serve you and we're going to be there for you uh, that's what the church is supposed to be. We also believe that because you're here, we're actually better together. We're better, come on somebody, stronger and healthier as a church because of you. So thank you uh, for trusting us again with this season in your life. And we pray uh, that as God prompts you, as God leads you, uh, you will use your time, your talent, your treasure to help us extend and advance God's kingdom together. John Maxwell said it this way, one is too small a number to accomplish anything great. So if you're a dreamer and a visionary, just recognize that the dream cannot be accomplished or fulfilled in isolation. God will raise up people. God will raise up families to help with the vision. And so not only did we add eight families a couple of weeks ago, we're adding uh, one, two, three, four, Four additional individuals, families, households to what God is doing right here. Amen? That's cause to celebrate this morning, Converge. That's good news. It just blesses my heart. So this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. I'm so excited, man, because when I look at you guys, and I said this a couple of months ago when we did our last next our new members class, man, this is like, this is like, this is like MCU. This is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This right here is Avengers Assemble right here, man. Come on, somebody. Come on, we got Wakanda in the house. Come on, somebody. Unique gifts, talents, abilities, man, that will help us be better as we advance God's kingdom together. So thank you, thank you, 
Uh, that's, I mean, there's so many words I could say, but the thing that keeps flowing from my heart is so much gratitude, so much gratitude. And let me just say this. Uh, this is just a small example uh, 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 of people who are seeing opportunities, man, and helping us advance the kingdom uh, together. Uh, uh, one of the things that we're passionate about is, is reaching out to our community and serving our community uh, that God placed us here. And part of the history of the name Converge is a verse of scripture that God gave us from Luke chapters 18 and 19, where Jesus is going into Jericho. On the outskirts of Jericho, he meets Bartimaeus, a man who is down and out begging for change. He stops, ministers to Bartimaeus, who's down and out. The news of the miracle precedes Jesus into Jericho, where he meets another man, Zacchaeus, who isn't down and out. He's not begging for change in a cup, but he's up and out, and he's begging for change of his heart. The reason we're called Converge is simply because we believe that God has placed us at the intersection of people who desperately need God, whether they're down and out, or up and out. The reason I share that story is we've been dreaming about how to serve this community. And we don't believe it's, it's by accident that God placed us right here, where just across the street at Quick Trip is where they drop off all of our homeless brothers and sisters in McKinney. The reason I'm saying all of this is uh, one of our newest members, Eddie Guzman, reached out. Uh, actually, I reached out to him and in a conversation found out that he has a passion for helping the hurting. And so Eddie and I connected, man, and Eddie already went out and we got some information about some of the stuff we're going to announce later in the service. Why am I saying that? The reason God adds to the local church is because these people on this stage are the solution to opportunities and needs that exist not only in our church but in our community. Because everything God creates, he creates to be the solution to a problem that exists somewhere in the earth. Meaning, the people on this stage are, listen, God's solution, God's answer to a need and opportunity that exists somewhere in close proximity to us. So can we just pray and thank God for these problem solvers and these answers that God has given us in this season? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for these precious gifts, these families that you're adding to this local church. God, we acknowledge that we are better together. We are better because you've added them to this local church. And first of all, God, we, we publicly affirm our commitment to them, that we will love them, that we will come alongside them and be the church that you imagine. Father, I also thank you that as they join this body, they will use the gifts and talents that you have given them to advance your kingdom. We thank you, God, for the purpose and the plan that you have for each one individually and also for our church collectively. Father, right now we receive them into membership here at this local church. We make room for the greatness that they will bring and add to this church as we serve your kingdom agenda together. And God will be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. One more time, let's show our love for the Andersons, Angela Willett, Ina, the Akalas, and Miss Anna Emo. 
I love Miss Anna. She's originally from Nigeria, but she is a Buckeye fan. Her family, they're all in uh, Ohio, and that's, uh, y'all know my college football team is the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm a, I got a special place in my heart for you, Miss, Miss Anna. We do have gifts for them. Is that right? That we're going to present to them. Why don't you come up, come up with the gifts? Or they're going to get them on the way down. Is that right? Got you. Loud and wrong. Come on, somebody. One more time. Let's show our love for these beautiful families. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Miss Andrea. Try this one. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Well, so glad to have each of you here with us, especially to welcome our new members to Converge Church. If it's your first time with us, thank you for joining. We are so happy to have you here. A special good morning to, or good afternoon or evening by the time you watch this, to our Converge family um, watching live. So we just want to say good morning and welcome. If it is your first time, um, please make sure to stop by the Welcome Center afterwards. We do want to get your name, your information, just to make sure we can keep you plugged in on what's going on here at Converge and get to know your name and get to know you a little bit. Um, we don't uh, bug you or chase you down, uh, but we do want your, your contact info just so we can, again, keep you posted on what's going on here at Converge. Also, if you're not already, please follow us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, at We Are Converge. That's another way to stay um, posted on what's going on here at Converge. And then TikTok, we are at Converge Church. Uh, last but not least, you may notice some of our middle school, high school students not in the room. We are having our students meet the second and fourth Sundays of every month. So if you have a middle school or a high school student, make sure to bring them in. They're having a great time um, in the youth room, and we would love to have them join us. And we do have a couple of outreach opportunities that we want to make you guys aware of. The first one is our winter clothing drive, benefiting our brothers and sisters here in the local homeless community. Beginning next Sunday, November 20th through Sunday, December 18th, each week we will be collecting clothing items. And so we ask you to join us in that. We'll have some receptacles available for you before and after each worship experience, but we would love for you to join us in being a blessing to our homeless community. The other thing that we want to make you aware of is that we are going to be partnering with Above All Things again. We partnered with them back in August for our Backpack to School outreach, yes. And we will be partnering with them on Saturday, December 17th for our Christmas toy giveaway. So stay tuned. We will have more details and more specifics coming. But we appreciate you guys. You are always so generous in everything that you guys do here to help us be a blessing to the community. Amen? Amen. And then Pastor Jesse is going to join us for the Blessed Life segment. All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. God is good. God is great. And God is God Almighty. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. We're excited that you came. You know, when the wise men found Jesus, the Bible says that 
they bowed down and they worshiped him and they brought their gifts. And so this morning we get to bring our gifts, our tithes and our offerings, and we get to bow down and we get to worship him. There are several ways that you can give. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Also, there are envelopes in each seat in front of you if you need one of those. You can also give by texting 77977 and the dollar amount. You can also give online. You can also give by downloading our app and clicking on the icon give at the bottom. You can also give through Zelle and you can also give through Cash App. So all of those ways of giving are available to you and we thank you so much for your giving. The Bible teaches us we here at Converge believe that we are to be cheerful givers, hilarious, happy, excited about giving because it is what? It is a worship. It is a way that we bow down before the Lord and worship him when we bring our tithes and bring our offerings to the word of God, to the, to the church house. And so today we want to give you that opportunity to worship with us. And so please worship with us, bow down with us, and let's worship Jesus as we give our tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning and we bless your precious name. God, you've been so good to us and so kind to us. And so, God, we humbly, God, we intentionally, God, we lovingly bring our tithes and our offerings to the church house. God, we give them, God, to the, to the kingdom of God that you might bless what we give and increase it. We thank you, Almighty God, for how you've blessed us to have increase. We thank you, Almighty God, for the heart to give. And we're believing and trusting, God, that we will be the stewards that you have called us to be. And God, we will fulfill the plan and the purpose that you have here for Converge Church. Jesus, people, purpose. God, we thank you. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Converge. Are you ready for the word this morning? All right, let me try that one more time. I appreciate the polite golf clap, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, here at Converge, we get excited about the word. Uh, the psalmist said it this way, thy word, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It illuminates our way. Uh, it gives us clarity. It gives us certainty in moments when we need it most. So we're going to look to God's word. And as you guys know, we are sticklers for God's word here. It informs everything we think, everything we believe, and everything that we do. In fact, several years ago, I challenged our church to do two things. Number one, we want you to, we want you to examine God's word and see if what we teach from this platform, from this pulpit is consistent with what God has already said and the second challenge we gave our church was, look at our core values, the things that we say are non-negotiables, the things that we say that matter most, 
And if there's anything that we do at Converge Church that doesn't align or is not consistent with what, we, what matters most, we want you to challenge it on us. To date, there's been no one who has challenged us on that. Why am I saying that? I don't say that to brag or to boast. I say that simply to, to emphasize the fact that we want the Word of God to be our compass, to be our guide, not our opinions, not our agenda. And then we also want to be a church that's vision and mission driven, that's led by the core values, the things that we say matter most to us. One of the reasons I'm even bringing that up is because one of our core values here at Converge Church is generosity. We live with an open hand, not a clenched fist. Why, why, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because, and you heard that in the live announcements, we have an opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus extended to our community. And so, and so we want to love on our brothers and our sisters who are experiencing homelessness right now. I, I came in yesterday, and for some reason, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the heating unit on my side of the office wasn't working. Uh, what that immediately brought to mind, Rob, was all the people that we see walking by every day that we're here in the office who don't have shelter. I was in my office, and I was like, man, it's freezing in here. I began to consider the people who don't even have shelter or a place to call home. So this is not something new for us. I think for the last seven years or so, maybe with an interruption because of the pandemic, we've always done a winter clothing drive. People have brought coats, they've brought jackets, they've brought scarves, they've brought gloves, they've brought... In fact, one year when we partnered with Hope's Door, 800, listen to me, 800 pairs of socks. And so this, as we, you know, transition into the holiday season, I'm asking you to kind of do your early, well, depending on how you look at it, your early or your late spring cleaning. Uh, that coat you haven't worn in years, those boots that might be out of style, let's use those material things to be an expression of God's love to our community. Can we do that, Converge? That is my personal, my personal plea to you as we serve our community together. I walked out of the sanctuary, and I'm not sure. Uh, they may have mentioned this in the live news, uh, but uh, uh, we're go also going to do a Christmas bike drive. Did y'all talk about that, Andrea? You did not. Uh, we're also doing a Christmas bike drive. Uh, and so there was a link sent out by email. Uh, listen, if your kids have a bicycle on their wish list uh, for this Christmas, make sure you complete that form. Now, listen, you got to get it to us by the 20th of this month. That's next Saturday. Complete it, submit it online. Our team will get it, and we'll start to order bikes for those kids. But we want to be a blessing to kids in our church uh, who have those items, the bikes on their wish list this Christmas, and maybe uh, it might be a stretch uh, for those families to purchase those bikes. Uh, can we do that, Converge? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what we're going to do, uh, those two things, and uh, over the next several weeks to be a blessing uh, to our community. Because generosity, living with an open hand, 
an open heart, not a clenched fist, is one of the commitments that we've made here at Converge Church. Praise the Lord. All righty. Uh, it is week eight of our current sermon series, and I promise you uh, this series will come to an end soon. But this is week eight, and uh, man, the feedback that we've been getting has been overwhelmingly positive. So many lives have been impacted by God's word as we've navigated this series together. Let me pray, and then we'll dive into God's word together. And uh, Stephen, if you don't mind, Stephen Jones, can you grab my phone off that front row? Uh, I'm going to go high tech this morning and preach from my phone. Amen. Y'all don't hold it against me. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. All right, let's pray and we'll dive into the word together. Father, we love you. We honor you and thank you for your precious holy word. Father, speak to us as only you can. Your word says, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God, it abides forever. So, Father, we look to your word now that is unchanging, unfailing, immutable. So many things, Father, shift and change. Trends, agendas, opinions, but God, your word abides. So we look to the truth of your word now to help us right where we are. God will be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for what you'll say. Take these lips of clay, anoint them, that I might speak as an oracle of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Our anchor text for today's message is lifted from Luke chapter number 13. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, just because I feel that there is more to say uh, and more that the Lord wants to say from our anchor text from Luke chapter number 13, I will begin reading in verse number 6. I will read verses 6 through 9, and that will provide context for the thoughts, uh, the principles, the ideas we will share this morning. Uh, last week, we examined uh, what we called the parable of the barren fig tree. The parable of the barren fig tree. Once again, we're going to revisit the text and then we're going to drill down and dive a little bit deeper than we did last week. In fact, I think we're going to look at the flip side of the coin of what I shared last week. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, so let's look to the word together. Notice the word of the Lord beginning at verse number 6 of Luke chapter number 13. He, Jesus, also spoke this parable. Now pay attention because... These are the words in red. These are the red letters. These are the very words of Jesus captured in the text. He, Jesus, also spoke this parable. Again, we've said that parables are illustrations. They are metaphors, analogies that we use to, profound, to, to communicate profound spiritual truths. So what Jesus is doing is he's taking something that has cultural significance, cultural relevance. He's speaking to a primarily agricultural uh, community, society of people who understand the language of what he's saying, but he's using language that they understand to communicate something that is deeply profound and deeply spiritual. So he, Jesus, spoke this parable, this metaphor, this analogy, this illustration, and he said, a certain man 
had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. So this was not a, a fig tree that was in the wild. This was a fig tree that was planted deliberately, intentionally. It was not haphazard or random. With great intention, the owner of the vineyard planted this fig tree among other fig trees. It wasn't left to its own devices. It was part of a much larger vineyard that should have been cared for over time. And he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. Last week, we talked about expectations. The owner of the vineyard says, listen, I planted this tree. My expectation is that because I planted this tree over time, this tree is going to bear fruit. So he comes three years in a row, looks at the tree, and finds no fruit on it. Somebody say expectation. Now, again, I've said this a million times, but it bears repeating. Okay? So I'm going to see if my Bible class, come on, somebody, was listening last Sunday. Y'all ready? We gave y'all this progression for expectations because we don't just arrive at expectations. Uh, there is a process. And that process is sequential. So we said that expectations start with our environment. The environment into which you were born. Check it out. Over which you had no control. You and I didn't have the opportunity to choose the circumstances, the family, the city, the region into which we would be born. But check this out. That was your environment. And your environment will determine what you are exposed to. Some of you grew up in California. Some grew up in Michigan. Some people experienced the weather as nice, sunny, and balmy. <laughs> and some, some people experienced the weather as frigid. What you, your environment will determine what you are exposed to. Your exposure will determine your experiences. Hmm? And your experiences, good or bad, will determine your expectations. Your expectations of yourself, your expectations of your, uh, your, 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 uh, your, your family, people around you, and your expectations of God. In fact, your expectations can be defined as anything you have normalized. The problem with what you normalize, listen to me, the problem with what you normalize is that your normal may be abnormal to everybody else. And that's why I have a problem, listen to me, I have a problem sometimes with people who say, well, that's my truth. No. Those are your experiences. And just because those are your experiences that have become a pattern does not make your experiences universally true. Listen to me. Listen to me. You date four guys, and they turn out to be jerks. Therefore, all men are dogs. Well, that's my truth. No, that's your experiences. The fact that you dated four knuckleheads doesn't disqualify every man for the rest of your life. And that's why I struggle with people who say, well, that's my truth. 
Listen, your truth could only be your experiences. And listen to me, you can't believe or expect anything beyond what you've been exposed to. Because if you've never been exposed to it, you don't even know that it exists. And if all you are exposed to is bad things, of course, that's going to become your truth. But it's just your experiences, and that doesn't necessarily make it universally true. And we bring our truth, our experiences, and we make them expectations of others. Man, you're quiet on me in this Presbyterian church this morning. Come on, somebody. The owner of the vineyard comes to the vineyard with expectations. If I plant something in this soil, it's supposed to bear fruit. Now, we talked about this last week, but I'm going to say this for the benefit of someone who may not have been here. Quickly. There are expectations that are understood. Right? Husbands, be faithful to your wives. That's understood. There are expectations that are understood and reasonable. Then there are expectations that are unmet because they're unrealistic or because they were never communicated. I don't have time to drill down on that. Watch the sermon from last week. But the, the, the owner of the vineyard comes with very reasonable expectations. I planted this fig tree and it's supposed to bear fruit. And he didn't come once, y'all. He came three years in a row. Every time it was time to harvest, this particular tree had this distinction of not bearing fruit. So this is what happens when our expectations go unmet, disappointment, and exasperation. And in his exasperation, verse 7 says, he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. That is a reasonable expectation, but notice his exasperation. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? And last week I talked extensively of, about those of us who have relationships, who entertain relationships that are only based on what people can produce and what people can do for us. As long as they stop producing, as long as they're no longer profitable, why keep them around? Cut them off. And there are many of us who have had relationships that have only been performance-based. You can be my friend. Uh, you can be my employee. You can be my spouse. As long as you produce. As long as you perform. As long as you are productive. As long as you are profitable. And what we said last week is sometimes we don't recognize that that person might be in your life in a season where you need to be pouring into them. The reason that relationship exists it's not because of what they can do for you, but because of what you can do for them. Our tendency, our proclivity is to cut off anything and everything in our lives that's not producing and accruing benefits to us. When sometimes Jesus said, now nah, pump the brakes, now nah, pause long enough 
to recognize that maybe this relationship exists because of what you can do for them. Yet those are the very people that we have cut off because notice what he said. Why does it use up the ground? It's constantly taking and never giving back. So I have no use for this fig tree. I have no use for this relationship. Cut it down. The, vin the, the vine dresser becomes a mediator and an intercessor. He says, ah, 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 hold up, hold up. Don't, don't cut it down. Don't cut it down. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, uh, let's give it one more year. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around it. I am going to fertilize it because the lack of productivity could be a result of neglect. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? It could be because this fig tree hasn't been cared for and nurtured appropriately. Maybe it needed a little bit more tender love and care, TLC. Maybe it needed a little bit more attention. Maybe all the other trees were independent and they could thrive by themselves with very little. But this one, this one here needs my undivided attention. So let's give it one more year. Let's give it the attention and the nurture and the care. Listen, we've learned that in parenting. We have two, two kids, a daughter and a son. Nia is a freshman in college. Levi is in seventh grade. And we have parented our kids differently. Because what works for Nia ain't going to work for Levi. What works for Levi ain't going to work for Nia. If you want to get Nia's attention, take her money. <laughs> Levi, he don't care about money. All he wants to know is, Mom, Dad, are we okay? And when you correct Levi and he feels like, oh, man, maybe Mommy and Daddy are upset at me. The first thing he wants is a hug. He wants to know, are we all right? He needs a different kind of assurance than Nia needs. The problem with us is sometimes we treat every relationship the same. And our relationships are performance-based. And that's why I always take our church back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry at the River Jordan when he was baptized. His father affirmed him before he performed his first miracle to let him know, Jesus, you're okay with me, not because of what you do, but because you're my son. And if, if Jesus' life was based on his performance, the father would have waited until the crucifixion to say, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? But before Jesus healed his first blind eye, before he healed his first deaf, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he heard the father affirm him publicly and say, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It wasn't performance-based. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? But we're going to pick up today's message sort of in the last verse, the last statement in this exchange that we now call the parable of the barren fig tree. Because even though the vine dresser says to the owner of the vineyard, don't cut it down, give it one more year, he gives it this caveat. And I don't want you all to think I'm schizophrenic, talking out of both sides of my mouth, both sides of my head, but there is a flip side to what's happening in this parable. And the next statement reveals it. Y'all ready? Notice, uh, the, 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 the vine dresser intercedes. He says, but he answers and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also. So give it one more year. We're going to go from three years to four years. We're going to give it a fourth year until I dig around it and fertilize it. Let me give it the care. Let me give it the nurture. Let me give it the attention that it needs. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the tension of this story that most of us live in. Notice what he says. We're going to give it one more year. I'm going to care for it. And if it bear fruit, bears fruit, good. Thumbs up. We accomplished our mission. That's what the millennials say. We understood the assignment. I am going to pour everything into this fig tree that I can over the next year. Notice the caveat. But if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. I am going to give this thing one more year. And I'm going to pour everything into it. And if it still doesn't bear fruit, the issue is not with me. It's with the fig tree. Ooh, y'all just got quiet. The issue isn't neglect. The issue isn't a lack of care. Something wrong with that tree. Let me say it one more time for this section right here in the dark. Can y'all put the light on me, if y'all can? I'm going to give it one more year. I am going to pour everything into this relationship. I'm going to give it everything I've got to give. And if still there's no fruit, I ain't the problem. I'm going to come over here to this section. <laughs> I'm going to pour into this tree. I'm going to give it everything I got, just in case there was an oversight. And after I have done everything I know to do, if there still ain't no fruit, the problem ain't me. Something wrong with this fig tree. That is the tension of where most of us live. We're unsure about how long to hold on And when to let go. No, that's a flip part of this story. This guy said, we're going to hold on one more year. We're going to give this thing everything we've got. But after that, if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. Dr. Henry Cloud 
uh, Cloud and Townsend are, are, are known for, uh, I mean, their seminal work, uh, 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 Boundaries. But Dr. Cloud, Henry Cloud, wrote another book. I, oh, I love it. And I, this, I, I recommend this. It's called Necessary Endings. Y'all need to read that book. Because Necessary Endings will help you learn how to manage the tension. The tension between holding on and letting go. That's what the vine dresser is saying. I'm going to give this thing everything I got. Okay, let me hold on a second. Listen, listen, listen. Anyway, I was going to say something, man. Listen, man. <laughs> let me tell you a couple of things I ain't saying. Because sometimes people hear this message from the pulpit after church. They'll grab me and say, Pastor, I heard what you said, and I'm going to quit my job. No, that ain't what I said. <laughs> But he said, Pastor, hold on. No, I ain't telling you to quit your job. Well, Pastor, he said, listen, hold on or let go. I ain't telling you to leave your spouse. Because people hear what they want to hear. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. How. It means what I'm saying right now is going through your filter. And you're going to hear it the way you want to hear it. Let me go on record. Are y'all with me? After this message, if you make any decisions, it's your decision. Don't tell them what Pastor Ray said. Come on, let's manage the tension between holding on and letting go. Now again, the text is speaking specifically of God's relationship to his people, Israel. I don't have time to get into all of that. But it also has significance for our lives today. Hmm? There are some times you have to pour into the relationship. But after you've done everything you've done, It's no longer your responsibility. It now becomes theirs. Man, you're sitting now stiff and tight in your chair. Wow. Okay. So here it is. Uh, one of the greatest challenges you and I will face in life and relationships is managing the tension between when to hold on and when to let go. Here's the question. Where does my intervention end and their personal responsibility begin? Because there's a place for your intervention. If you love them, if you care for them, if you're in covenant, if you're in relationship, yes, there is a place for your intervention. But where does my intervention end and their personal responsibility begin? My intervention. I'm going to dig around it and I will fertilize it. Their responsibility, if it still doesn't grow, cut it down. <clears throat> I, I, I love this verse. I love this verse. 
in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. It's one of the verses you'll hear me quote often. Mainly my leadership team hears me say this, especially when a person or a family is in need or in crisis. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. My preferred version is the New King James Version. So in the New King James Version, it reads like this, that we ought to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right? There is something in our ethos as Christians where we ought to bear one another's burdens. And when we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ. But, but, but here's Paul now. Because that's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Two verses down. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4. Notice what Paul says. And I'm going to read this from, the, vo from the, uh, the voice translation. It says, shoulder each other's burdens and then you will live as the law of the anointed one teaches us. When we shoulder each other's burdens. When there's this intervention that we do for those who are going through a hard time. But notice, actually, it's verse 5, not 4. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5. Notice what he says. It says, each person has his or her own burden to bear and story to write. Hold up, Paul. No, no, hold up now. I'm confused, Paul. Because you just said I should bear their burdens. I should shoulder their burdens with them. Then in the next verse, or verse 5, you say each person has his or her own burden to bear and their own story to write. Yes. He's talking about when to hold on and when to let go. He makes a distinction between my intervention and their responsibility. Let me put it in context, and I'm sure all of y'all who own a pickup truck can appreciate this. In fact, it was probably the day after you bought a pickup truck that you started to regret that decision. Because the day you bought that pickup truck, you started to bear everybody's burden. Hey, man, I'm moving. Now, this is before, this is before, this is before furniture stores did deliveries, right? So if you went to the furniture store and bought furniture, guess what you do? You had to figure out how to get it to your house. Now it's fancy where you can pay for them to deliver it to you. But there was a time when you bought furniture, you called up all your friends with pickup trucks. And guess what they did? They bore your burden with you. Not only did they pick up the furniture from the furniture store, they carried it up to your third floor apartment. Good friends, right? They bore your burden with you. But guess what Paul is saying? It's okay for you to pick up the furniture and take it up the stairs. But when Nebraska Furniture Mart sent that bill for the furniture that your friend brought on credit, it is now his responsibility to bear, not your burden to carry. There are some people you will encounter in life who want you to carry the furniture up the stairs and then pay the bill for it. That's what Paul is saying. Help him get it up the stairs. But that bill is their responsibility. And the problem is, most of us in our relationships haven't 
learned how to demarcate between the burdens I should shoulder and the responsibility, the personal responsibility they should carry. Can I help you this morning? The way you work through that is number one. <laughs> they already told me the Cowboys game in at three, so I'm going to keep you on a little while this morning. 325. Come on, somebody give it to me. Take your time, Pastor. Come on. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to hear in my whole life. <laughs> Take your time, Pastor. And I love seeing the look on the faces of the people who are like, man. Number one, uh, if you're going to make that distinction between Galatians 6.2 and Galatians 6.5, you have to make a personal commitment that you will not, you will not, under any circumstances, become an enabler. Ooh. Here it is. Uh, don't put it up there yet because I, I got to. She said, but Pastor Ray, how do I? How do I know I've be, how do I know I'm an enabler? How do I know I've become an enabler? Come on, somebody. This is this is we go we're gonna step on some bunions this morning. And some corns too. How do I know I've become an enabler? I know I have become an enabler when helping them is hurting me. You love your baby so much. That you continue to help them. You continue to co-sign bad decisions. Bad choices. That are helping you. Um, that are hurting you. May I submit to you. That you're actually hurting them. I love the story of the prodigal son. And one of the reasons I love the story of the prodigal son is that there's no evidence anywhere in the text. There is no evidence anywhere in Luke 15 that when the prodigal son took his inheritance and left it to squander it on riotous living, that his daddy went looking for him. Go back and read your Bible. He took his stuff. He left on his own volition. But there is nowhere where as much as his dad loved him, loved him enough to fully restore him, never left that house one day to go looking for his lost son. That's right. No care packaging. One of the best things sometimes that you can do for people is take the training wheels off the bike. Most of the people that you are enabling will never learn to ride that bike on their own because you have attached yourself to them as their crutches and their training wheels. 
So what if you take the training wheel off and your kid falls a couple of times and bruise their knee and cut their elbow? They'll heal. But they'll learn how to ride their bike. Because now you have cared for them, you have nurtured them with the training wheels, and you see that they're stable enough for the training wheels to come off so that they can now assume responsibility for their independence without the training wheels. You have become an enabler of bad behavior when helping them is hurting you. And the truth is, what you call help is actually hurting them. Because they will never learn to take responsibility for their own healing. I ain't just talking about your children. I talk about in marriage. Listen, there are certain things in marriage. I don't care how nice, how kind, how polite you are. I don't care how many times you avoid the conversation so you won't hurt their feelings. At some point, at some point, it is no longer up to you to fix what's broken in them. They have to heal for themselves. I'm telling you. At some point, you have dug around the tree, fertilized the tree, and the tree still don't want to grow. It ain't my lack of care. Something wrong with that tree. And that's what you have to confront and stop projecting it on everybody else. It ain't their fault. Well, let me put it this way. Here's one of the hardest and harshest realities of life. The hurt you've experienced may not have been your fault, but pursuing God for your healing is now your responsibility. I'll say it again. What happened to you was wrong. What they did to you was unfair. But if you're going to heal, you cannot allow yourself to be held hostage to them fixing you. You want the people who broke you to fix you? And you steady going through life shaking the people and forcing the people who hurt you and broke you to fix you? Well, I'll heal when they apologize. What if they never apologize for what they did? You're going to stay in the prison of what they did to you? No, at some point, you have to take responsibility to pursue God for your healing. Forget them. You pursue God for your healing. And the problem is, sometimes the tree doesn't grow because it's waiting for somebody else to fix it. That day may never come because you're trying to get broken people to fix you. 
Uh, can I also say this? Thank you, Jacqueline. Let me tell you something. I apologize last week for myself and every pastor who has only loved you because you could perform, because of what you could do. Can I tell you something about pastors? Y'all heard me say this before, but I call it comic book theology. That the villain in the story always starts out a victim. When you think about Two-Face thrown into a vat of acid, when you think about the Joker, and when you watch the origin story with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he wanted to be a comedian, a stand-up comic, and nobody loved his jokes, and so the victim became a villain. And I wonder how many of us today are like those villains in the comic books who never dealt with their pain. And here's the danger. If you don't deal with your pain, you will make life painful for others. If you don't deal with your pain, victim you will make life painful for others, villain. And may I submit to you that there are many pastors across these United States and around the world who have become villains, terrorizing the sheep because they never dealt with their own pain. The pain of the people who left them. The pain of the people who talk bad about them. The pain of the people who dogged their, their wife and their children and their preaching and what they wore. And no, pastors go through stuff too. Let me say it this way. Pastors have feelings too. Pastors are human too. When you dog them out, talk about them, do all the stuff you do to them, some of them don't recognize that they are victims who have become villains. And so certain, there are times when pastors are a certain way and you don't realize why they are that way. It's simply because pastors, listen to this, shepherds bleed too. Hmm. Okay. Say shepherds bleed too. Je Je Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's one of those rare moments when you see the humanity of Jesus because he heals these 10 lepers, Rob. And then only one came back. Jesus says to the one who came back, were there not 10 healed? Where are the nine? Jesus communicates an expectation that hmm, maybe if these guys were healed, maybe at least they'll come back by and say thank you. Shepherds bleed too. There are pastors who ask that question every day, where are the nine? Only one came back to show gratitude for all the prayers, for all the weddings we did, for all the funerals we performed, for all the hospital visits. Where are the nine? And if pastors aren't careful, 
they will become villains because they don't do what they're told. I'm saying that so you can consider what you say about and to pastors because they're human too. And they bleed too. All right. Um, I started to... I started to say something, but as soon as I say it, y'all know, y'all gonna know I'm lying. I started to say, I won't be before you much longer. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't be, I'm gonna go fast, I promise you. This is gonna go fast and furious, because <sighs> I gotta go. So here it is, don't become an enabler, okay? That's the first thing you wanna do. Um, um, here it is. Number two, establish healthy boundaries. If you want to know when to, when to hold on and when to let go, number one, don't become an enabler. Number two, establish healthy boundaries. So one of the ways we define boundaries here at Converge Church is simply this. Boundaries determine the distance. Somebody say distance. Boundaries determine the distance at which you can love both them and yourself simultaneously. Hi! Listen, y'all just start taking up the offering again. Second offering right there on that word. Listen to me. The boundaries you establish will determine the distance. I didn't say proximity. Distance. The distance at which you can love them. How many of you realize you can still love people at a distance? Boundaries will determine the distance at which you can love both yourself and them simultaneously. If getting them this close means I'm not loving myself the way I need to love myself, that means you need to create a boundary. Back up off me enough so I can love myself enough to continue loving you. Because right now, with the way you're rolling, right now the way you're moving with me, I can't love you up close. God's called me to love you. But if I let you get that close to me, I'm going to end up not loving myself and not loving you. And the way I love myself and love you is you're going to have to back up off me. Somebody say boundaries. Those are healthy boundaries. That's how you teach people to take personal responsibility. Establish boundaries. Hmm? Okay. <sighs> All righty. I said it earlier that it's a hard fact of life. That the hurt may not have been your fault. It's like Jesus. <sighs> they did this. And then Jesus says, well, baby, you got to heal. They ain't going to do it for you. So what you going to do? 
So now the ball's back in your court for your healing, for something that they did. But I gotta get, I gotta get up from this place. I can't stay in this place. I gotta get up from this place, and I gotta heal. Without their help, without their approval, without their consent, this is up to you. Now here's where it gets tricky. You ready for this? Faith won't magically fix what you're unwilling to face. I'll say it again. Faith won't magically fix what you're unwilling to face. You got to face it. You got to confront it. can't turn away from it. Listen to me. You can't play peekaboo with it. You go like this and pretend that it doesn't exist. I told you psychologists believe that the reason peekaboo is so amusing to kids is because when they cover their eyes and they can't see you, they believe that you can't see them. Then I'm going to play peekaboo with this problem. I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist and it will magically go away. No. <laughs> I guarantee you, when you take your hands off your eyes, it's going to be right where you left it. So taking personal responsibility means I have to confront the wound and the pain. Why? Because life doesn't automatically self-correct. Life doesn't automatically or magically or randomly auto-correct. So here it is. You can only conquer what you confront, and you can only confront what you identify. Did y'all hear that? You can only conquer what you confront, and you can only confront what you identify. Because there are people in your life who have poured everything into you, fertilized it, dug around it, watered it. Four years, still in the same place, no fruit. Now, is it the people <laughs> or is it the tree? That's the part we don't want to hear. Because it's so much easier to shift blame and say, well, the problem is the people. It's Adam. Adam, where are you? Oh, Lord, I'm naked. I'm hiding behind. Who told you you were naked? He said, well, hold up. He said, uh, you know, Jesus, I was here all by myself. God, I was here all by myself. And you decided to give me this woman. So Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. It's her fault. And then when God talked to Eve, he said, oh, she said, oh, no, it's the serpent. It's his fault. Isn't that what we do? We shift blame. And when you shift blame, you cannot, will not heal. Because you give power to someone else to change your circumstances. So here it is. I'm going to close with this. Uh, three steps to healing. How do I heal? So first part is recognizing how to let go. This second part is now I'm the tree. And I'm taking personal responsibility for my healing. 
Notice what Psalm 32 and 3 says. Hey, it says, when I refused to admit my wrongs, I was miserable. Moaning and complaining all day long so that even my bones feel brittle. Uh, when I kept silent, one translation says, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Listen, some of us just stuff it. Never talk about it. We stay silent and it is killing you. What you're not talking about is eating away at you. In fact, there are certain diseases that people have. There are certain cancers that people have that are not genetic, not hormonal. They are purely emotional. Okay? Healing is my responsibility. So here it is. How do I heal? Number one, I must acknowledge my need for help. I need help. I must acknowledge, I need help. I am not okay. And the good news about being here at Converge Church is that we are a church where it's okay not to be okay. But most of us keep silent. We stuff our pain and it eats away at it. The first thing there is, and here's the thing, uh, there's, there's healing sometimes that can only come from humility. So acknowledge your need for help. Acknowledge I need help. That's more of an internal conversation. It's introspective. I ain't, I'm not okay. I need help. Here's the second thing you do if you're going to get healing. Then you got to ask for help. Third thing you got to do is you have to accept the help that's asked. There's sometimes, you know, there's certain tender places in our lives, man, that we don't want nobody to touch. A broken bone, try to touch it, it's tender to the touch. And everybody who tries to heal that tender place we don't let them get anywhere close because it's too tender. And part of the problem with that is we learn how to play hurt. We learn how to produce while we're hurting. Anybody remember 1998, Isaiah Thomas rolled his ankle and limped through the whole game and scored like over 30 points, limping through the whole game? That's, a, that's the way some of us are. My team's counting on me to win this game. And even though I rolled my ankle, I'm going to play hurt. I'm going to continue to perform. The whole world is counting on me. And I, instead of paying attention to, to what's broken, we focus only on our perfection. All of what I just shared was really the introduction to my message. Next week, I'm telling you, you better be here next week because 
this week, <coughs> this week we've talked about the fig tree. <laughs> Next week we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in the whole world. Since the Karate Kid, 1984. Come on, Mr. Miyagi. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world is bonsai trees and bonsai plants. They're cute, but they're a problem. They're a problem. So next week, as we, here it is, y'all ready for this? As we close out the series. I want to talk about why you don't want to be a bonsai. As cute as it is, you do not want to be a bonsai. Last thing I'm going to say is right here. Accept the help, which always says, thank you for helping me, even though it's hard. Because when people help you, and when you ask for help, here it is, it's going to require change. Woo Most people want relief, they don't want change. I want the pain to go away without me having to change anything. Baby, I'm sorry. Doesn't work that way. If you're going to change, if you're going to have this renovation of your life, there are three things that are true with every home renovation, every home rehab, every heart rehab. Number one, and this is when you're asking for help. Number one, change is messy. If you've ever had anybody rip out your, your backsplash, if you haven't had anybody change the carpet, if you've ever, had, listen, change is messy. It's messy before it's good. I still remember when 121 was a two-lane road. And as they started to expand 121, Sam Rayburn, it was like, when will this mess be over? Several years later, there's no mess, and all we get to enjoy is the convenience of Sam Rayburn Tollway. But before the convenience, a whole lot of mess. When you ask for help, it's going to be messy first. Number two, change takes time. Very rarely does any construction project end on time and within budget because change is also costly. So when change happens, when you ask for help, when it gets messy, and it's taking longer than you thought it should take, and when it costs you more than you bargained for, resist the urge to negotiate with your old self. I'm telling you, God was taking them to a land with milk and honey. 
It got ha hard halfway through, and guess what they wanted to do? Take me back to Egypt where I was a slave for 430 years. When change happens and it gets costly and you have to learn new things, trust God daily for food. We had pots of food in Egypt. They worked us hard, but everything, every we needed, we wanted meat, we wanted pomegranates, everything we want. Listen, we had, every, so take me back to Egypt. I don't want to eat this manna for 40 years. I can't figure out any new recipes. So we negotiate with our old self. Take me back to Egypt because it's familiar and this new thing is too hard. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to recognize the areas in our lives that must become our personal responsibility to heal? Father, we thank you for everyone who has dug around us everyone who has fertilized us. But God, there's just some areas that won't change unless the tree changes. And so, Lord, would you help us not only ask for help, acknowledge our need for help, ask for help, but accept the help when you send it. The people who do the renovation in our lives, who tell us the hard things that are painful to hear, to accept it when it's messy, to accept the fact that it will take some time, and to accept the fact that it may be costly. It may cost me everything that I've held on to, everything that I've believed that really was a lie. So if you're here this morning, None of this changes without the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. You're here this morning and you've never, listen to me, I'm not, this is not a prayer for people who are already Christ followers. If you're already a believer, this first prayer is not for you. But if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've been around church but you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior with every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip up your hand toward heaven. I want to pray for you because Jesus changes everything. He'll dig around the tree of your life. He'll fertilize it. He'll help you. Amen. We got a room full of believers. Thank you, Lord. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ray, this message resonated with me. I identify with that tree. There have just been some areas in my life that haven't borne fruit, haven't borne good fruit that would honor God. If that's you this morning, with no condemnation or judgment. This is you and your God. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Father, now with those hands raised toward heaven, you see where we need the change. We're acknowledging our need for help. Holy Spirit, you are the helper. In the days and the weeks and the months to come, would you dig around those places? Would you fertilize those places so that we can be fruitful for your glory as trees planted by rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in season, that our leaf will not wither and everything we do 
it shall prosper. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Did that help anybody this morning? For real, for real. Real talk. I enjoyed it. Even if y'all didn't like it, I enjoyed it myself. Why don't you stand with us? Let me bless you out. Remember, remember, this is your opportunity for your late or early spring cleaning. Coats, jackets, flannel shirts, whatever it is, boots, Timberlands, lugs. Come on, East Coast. Anybody remember them lugs? Carl Kanaha. Whatever it is. Oh, somebody went thumbs down on the lugs. You ain't got no love for lugs. You from DMV. You from very, all y'all did was the Tims. Listen, whatever you got, man, bring it. Let's be a blessing to our brothers and sisters experiencing homelessness in our city over the next several weeks. Sunday morning before and after service, we have a drop-off box. Buy some socks, whatever it is. Those things matter. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Ah, Father, would you grant us your peace? Would you grant us your peace? Would you grant us your peace that passes all understanding? Not just today, but now and always. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week for Don't Be a Banzai. message was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some materials to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you would like more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch@weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give by texting 77977 and send Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.